You are tuned in to Kids in the Pit. Hey guys, it's Gabe from the Kids in the Pit podcast. Today I'm joined by Corey Williams from the hardcore band Internal Affairs. Thanks for letting me interview you. So yeah. uh, what do you do in Internal Affairs? I was the singer. Uh, I did, uh, a lot of the songwriting as far as, um, writing the songs. Uh, I played guitar in a few other bands as well, but, um, internal affairs kind of just started as me and the drummer of piece by piece just needed something to do since terror kept st- stealing our singer. And, um, it kind of was just like, it kind of became my outlet. I just wrote stuff. And then whatever friends were around at the time contributed stuff. Like we didn't have guest singers on every song because we were trying to do something annoying by having a million singers. It was literally just whoever was there sang on stuff because they were there. Why not? It was just something for fun. And then the band kind of, turned into something more than what we thought it was going to be at the beginning. Nice. So uh, what year did Eternal Affairs start? So Eternal Affairs technically started, I think it was like fall of 2002. Uh, We recorded and released our demo in December of 2002. We just called it the 2003 demo because we didn't really have a whole year of with the release. So we figured it would just more appropriate, just be a 2003 release. Um, I don't really remember dates of our first shows and things like that, but um, yeah, 2000, the end of 2002 is when we really started doing stuff like writing, recording demos and, and figuring out a, a lineup for the band. Nice. So is Eternal Affairs still playing shows? Sort of not really. We're not, um, we didn't get back together to play regularly. Um, We didn't really have any intention of playing again. But, um, you know, over the course of the pandemic, lots of, um, lots of things hardcore happened as far as like people creating new bands uh, old bands creating new music and um, a friend of ours, Bert from safe inside records, he wanted to put out a discography for us. And with the talk and the release of the discography, the opportunity to play a few shows came up. So we played one um, and it was, it was incredible. It was uh, for the children in Los Angeles. It's a, a charity event that our friends put on every December. And um, it was a, a very important thing for me personally, because my friend Nate, who's been doing SOS booking for many, many years, we played a lot of shows for him back in the day and he did a lot of awesome things for our band. So when it comes time to contribute or do something to participate in any events that he does, especially a charitable event, 
you know, I, I think it's incredible to take part and especially for kids, you know, anytime anything for kids comes up, you know, you always got to do what you can to, to participate. So back to kind of the question as far as like, are we together? Um, I think if another opportunity comes up to play a show, you know, there's a good possibility we, we would say yes. Um, no one's really beating down my door with offers and, and things like that. So um, with everyone living all over the place, no one lives in the same city anymore. We can't just get together and jam and practice and play locally. So uh, in order for us to do something, it would, it would take a lot of work. Everyone's got families and children and careers and stuff these days. And, and um, yeah, the door is open to do more. Um, but we're not in a situation where we can say yes to everything, unfortunately. Um, so, um, where did the band start and do you all still live there? Yeah. So when the band started, um, we were from, uh, San Fernando Valley, Los Angeles. So, um, it's, uh, it's a part of the city of Los Angeles, the County of Los Angeles, but the area we were from was San Fernando Valley. Um, and it was at first, it was mostly just me and the drummer, Sean. And then when we recorded the demo, our friend, um, from Linwood came and helped out on bass and we never really had a guitar player. So I think it was like the first handful of shows. I, I don't know exactly, but all the guitar players were kind of fill-ins at first. Like Todd Jones played a couple shows um Dwayne from Allegiance played a couple shows and um eventually our friend John Westbrook who is from No Reply Life's Halt uh Knife Fight he took over the the reins on guitar um he lived in a different part of Los Angeles but you know Los Angeles is Los Angeles um so we all live in the same area um, and that lineup was, uh, once, once the lineup became like a serious, once the band became a little bit more of a, a serious band playing regularly, it would be me, Sean, the drummer, John on guitar and, uh, Dennis McDonald on bass. And he would drive up from San Diego actually. And then him and his wife would eventually move to the Valley as well. And, um, it was just another piece of the grand scale of Los Angeles hardcore. It's, it's easy to just say Los Angeles hardcore, but unless you've been there and seen how ridiculously large geographically it is, you know, um, we're talking, you could live two hours away and still be in Los Angeles. And that's mostly because of traffic than it is mileage wise or whatnot. But, um, we kind of lived all over, but same area and in the same weird way as well. Nice. So where do you live now? So now I'm a resident of Long Island. Um, I live in Bayshore with my wife and my son. And um, we're about, I would say, about an hour's drive from, from Manhattan, Brooklyn. But... um. I've lived here just about 11 years now and um, 
it's cool, you know, over the years of touring and um, or bands coming to town on tour, we, we've made a lot of awesome connections with uh, with people on the East Coast and internal affairs specifically. Most of our tours played Long Island, so we had we had made a lot of friendships, um, bands here, uh, just hardcore kids in general, um, and weirdly it's like probably better friendships with people from long island than even say the city um so it's and, it, and it, it's also almost like home um san fernando valley being a valley if you just replace the mountain ranges on the south and the north side of the valley and replace them with ocean you're on long island it's just a giant flat piece of suburban land that's very congested. Lots of traffic, lots of people, lots of food. <laughs> that's about it. Nice. Um, my mom and I hung out in Queens a few days ago. Um, yeah, and we explored. We also went to Brooklyn, so that was fun. Cool, cool. What did you guys go see? Did you go for a show or did you guys go oh, for anything specific? Um, we were – well. We were on a road trip to the Bane shows, and on our way back, we stayed with our friend in uh, Queens. Cool. Very cool. So we explored there. We went to, um, so we went to a Nintendo store. We went to a, um, we passed like Tonight Show area. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, passed pizza. Did you eat some pizza? Uh, no, sadly. <laughs> it's all right. I'm sure you got decent pizza there too. It's, if it was California, I wouldn't be asking about you eating pizza. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also went to a like a famous toy store. We went to uh went to a ramen place, and that was the first time I've tried actual ramen that isn't like instant top ramens. Food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. Yeah. What'd you get in it? Um. There was egg, there was um, pork, and there was some other type of meat. It kind of looked like tofu, but like it didn't have the tech. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Yeah, sounds awesome. Ramen's yeah. great. It was all great. Um, so you have a son. Yeah, yeah. His name's Charlie. He's uh, he just turned eight years old. Nice. And uh, yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. Yeah. He's my best friend. That's all I do is play. I go to work and I come home to hang out with him and my wife, but he puts me to work. Nice. Uh, so what's he into? What is he into? Video games, music? Yeah, well, uh, as far as like music, not really. Like he's at the age now where he's kind of discovering things on his own. He doesn't really like anything I play, so I don't really shove it down his throat i figure if hardcore metal and punk or whatever becomes his thing i'll educate him the best i can with it but for now you know i'll i'll play just basic like i don't know top 20 stuff from like whatever i'll play a little classic rock might play a little like 80s new wave or something like that it's just stuff that like is easy to sing along to. And, you know, like once you're a minute into the song, I can always hear him singing along. Like he, he learns the hooks and choruses real quick and stuff. 
Um, but I think as far as music, I think he's more interested in like dancing, you know, like it seems like every kid is obsessed with like TikTok dancing and stuff like that. And, you know, as long as it's appropriate, I don't mind it. And it seems like most of the stuff that him and my wife watch is obviously appropriate. And that's kind of what he's into as far as music wise. Um, He does show interest in learning drums and guitar. So I try to show him guitar and then it's, it goes in one ear out the other real quick. And I, we play guitar down in our, uh, our playroom where there's lots of toys. So Legos and hot wheels kind of take over the, the jam session. Um, his godfather is, is Nick from terror. So when learning drums becomes a, uh, a, a real opportunity, he'll have an awesome uh, instructor to teach him how to play drums. Um, but as far as things he's into, like, he likes Minecraft. He likes Pokemon. Yep. But he'd really rather just be outside. Like he wants to be outside playing soccer, you know, me pitching the ball so we can crank home runs and things like that. Um, we do a lot of bike riding and scooters and stuff like that. So um, for me as a, as a father, like there's nothing better than just being outside and being physically active. Um, he's an incredible swimmer. So, you know, throw him in the beach and let him get smashed by some waves or go to the pool and jump off a diving board or something, you know, he's, he's game for all of it. So that's, it's pretty cool. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm really into Minecraft. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know much about it. Like I try to watch, like he'll, he'll watch things on like YouTube so he can kind of like learn the different things. Cause you know, obviously trying to figure it all out on your own is a little hard, but if you watch someone teach you something, I guess it makes it really easy. But um, I wouldn't say he's obsessed with it, but he's pretty dang close. You like Minecraft? You've been playing it a long time? Yeah. um, Two years. Oh, okay. That's a lot longer than him. He's been playing for, I don't know. I would say like, I don't know, maybe like he, six months or something maybe a little more he's been playing but he's had an interest in it for longer we offered it to him a while ago and i think it was he was more interested in the idea of it than actually playing it but now that he's played it a bunch like now it's you know he just wants to do that cool yeah um maybe we could play online sometimes my friend lucy and i uh, play online together a ton it's really fun Uh that would be awesome. He actually doesn't like play against other people right now. He's just doing mostly like creative stuff just so that way he can learn how to do it. But later we'll exchange, I guess like usernames or whatever. And then that way you guys can, can do that. Cause that'd be awesome. Well, you don't go against each other. You kind of like, I mean, you could do like PVP and fight against each other with swords or something, but mostly you like work together and build uh-huh. something. Yeah, that sounds sick. Definitely, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll swap usernames. Yeah. So, for those not familiar with Eternal uh, Internal Affairs, what song should they check out? Well, I I would say the band isn't the most um, age appropriate for someone your age, but with that being said, 
that's mostly because of um, choice of words. Uh, there's a lot of bad words in it. Um, and it's mostly because lyrically the songs are, are very angsty. They're, they came, they were written during a time in my life where I was, I was angry. I don't know if I would really write different lyrics now, even though I'm in a better place in my life as far as like mental, but, um, you know, as far as songs to recommend, I, it's hard. I, I guess like just whatever's the, the top five on Spotify is a good place to start. Um, we have a lot of recordings and all the recordings sound a little different. My voice is a little different. So um, one, re one record, one record or, or something that might be someone's favorite might not be the next because of, how my my voice kind of changed over the years um you know as far as like songs the two songs that are that usually get the best reactions are, are no way out which is what we titled our uh, discography and um you're dead from the self-titled um a lot of the songs that we've written the lyrics are, are, are somewhat intended to be tongue in cheek. Um, a little bit on the ridiculous side to take away from it. They're not exactly intended to be super serious as far as the song you're dead is not about killing somebody or, or, or wishing someone to be dead. It's more just you're dead to me. Like you just go be you on your own elsewhere so I can live my life as I want to live mine without the interruption of um, someone creating something in, in, in my space that that's unwanted, unneeded. And um, so I think that those are good places to start, you know, but like I said, the, the lyrics do have a, a, a tongue in cheek value to it. Um, they're definitely ridiculous and um, <laughs> underlying under all the all the ridiculousness, there's there's some kind of positivity there to be had. But um, I don't think that we're the band that you would go to for that kind of lyrical content. You know, like you know, it's, it's, it's people. Some people don't ever understand that, like in hardcore specifically just because that's you know what we what we like what we live and not everyone is trying to attain the same thing and that's not a bad thing like like take like bane and half heart two incredible bands incredible messages incredible lyrical content um awesome people in the bands but that's not what we were going for. I think when when we started the band or just throughout the, the course of the band, we just did things the way we did them. And if people liked it, they liked it. If they didn't, they didn't. And we were fortunate enough that, that there was enough people that um, 
I don't really know if you would call it a message, but they, they liked what we were about. And, um, yeah, so I, I, I don't know where else to go with it, but with that, but, um, you know, it's just, a it was just a message of, you don't need everyone in your life. Sometimes you're better off without certain people. Yep. So I listened to a lot of songs. I mean, I listened to a lot of songs about words, so I think I'll be okay and check those out. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust that your mom knows best, and I don't think she would have had us doing this interview if she didn't think it was appropriate enough. Um, I'm just speaking from a dad point. You know what I mean? Like if I wasn't a dad, I'd probably be throwing all kinds of words out that aren't appropriate. But now that I'm a dad, I kind of have learned to watch my mouth. Um, my kid hasn't seen me play. He had, he, um, he hasn't seen me play guitar. Hasn't seen me sing in a band. Um, and as far as like playing guitar, no big deal. You know, I won't have a microphone or nothing, but I'm sure at some point he's going to see internal affairs or maybe I'll sing in another band one day. And then he's going to see a different side of his dad. But, you know, when you put the mic in the hand, switch flips, and you can't always control what comes out. Yep. Um. So, yeah, I'm 11 now, so I'm allowed to listen to much more, like, curse words than, uh, than I was 8 or 9. And yeah. Because I listened to Descendants and stuff like that, so. Yeah, Descendants is awesome, but Descendants have some wild lyrics, too. They do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's awesome. That's awesome. Yep. Um. So, have you been in any other bands? I've been in a few. Um. I'll try to remember most, but uh. So I started the first band I was ever in was called Stand Your Ground. Um. Our friend Todd Jones. He was a really young guy at the time. I think he was like sixteen, but amazing guitar player. And um, he came over to get some photos for me to do a zine because I was a photographer at the time. And he saw I had a guitar. Long story short, we started a band called Stand Your Ground. Things didn't work out. I moved on to being Carry On, which had already been a band for a little while. I did Carry On till the end of its run in 2001. And then very quickly after Carry On, me and Nick Jett and a few of our friends, we started Piece by Piece. And then during the early time of Piece by Piece, Nick started Terror with Todd and Scott. And as you know, Terror took over the world. And uh, so we were left to figure out, you know, band-wise, something to do while he was always gone. And... Um, there's obviously, you know, no malice towards that because watching them do what they do is incredible. And so the drummer piece by piece and myself, we started Internal Affairs. Um, during those times, there was a few bands I, I filled in for and helped out. Um, Todd and I started a band called Snake Eyes, which was a, a short-lived band, but it was, it was kind of like... Um, the demo was if you were to 
make like if you took like the carry on LP and the terror demo and let made it like less moshy but kept it super fast like it's kind of like what it sounds it's it's really really good it's incredible one of my favorite things that Todd's ever written um and then after internal affairs I started a band called absolute madness it was a little bit more of like a crossover thrash band or at least that was the intention but um still hardcore related and uh at that around that time is when I moved away from school found my way to New York and then um me uh busky from the promise and a million bands as well and our friend Yvonne we started a band called manipulate and uh I had to step down from that band I got sick for a little while and couldn't really play guitar too well so um they found some of the guys they recorded a record amazing um and since then I filled in for the wrong side for a few reunion shows, which were awesome. And uh, that's kind of uh, the, the gist of it. There might be something I'm missing, but those are the important ones. Nice. So what was the first punk, hardcore, or metal show you attended, and how old were you? So I think I was in high school. We discovered hardcore in about eighth grade um through like i found it through like metal like anthrax and stuff like that was my thing and then i moved to a new school and all the skateboarders i was into skateboarding and all these dudes were into like super cool music they um they exposed me to everything everything from like youth of today suicidal tendencies um Fugazi minor threat they they they, these guys had already like knew about this stuff but none of them were going to shows yet I don't think anyone knew about going to shows yet and then in high school friends would have um like little punk shows I think I went to a couple like little local things but my first real hardcore show I was I guess 16 uh, my buddy Andrew he played drums in a band called Eyelid and uh, he drove me to it was epic it was um, Undertow, Snapcase Strife, Ignite 1134 and Pale Fire at this place called the Las Palmas Theater in Hollywood and it I mean for anyone from that generation that that era of, of SoCal Hardcore like it's an infamous infamous show um it was huge it was eye-opening it was incredible i didn't stage dive i didn't mosh i didn't do anything i was just like sitting there blown away by how insane the entire thing was like just watching people diving off of crazy things and you know meeting everyone in the bands seemed weird i was like oh these guys are you know they're important like these guys are in the band but you know, you're, you get introduced to people just like, you know, you're there, your next door neighbor or, or whatever, you know, oh, this is my, you know, my buddy. And next thing you know, you're hanging out with Rick and Andrew from Strife or something. And, and it was really awesome experience because it showed you the community behind it, that it's not, it's not MTV. It's literally, 
you know, a, a piece of the the community and you get to be a puzzle piece that gets inserted in and, and take part. So that was my first show. And then from there, I mean, it was like wildfire, you know, anywhere you can get a flyer back then there was no internet. So you had to either have someone that went to a show, bring you a flyer home or hopefully flyers made it to the local record stores. Um, but I would say not, that was 94, 95, 90, 1995. And uh, I mean, we started driving everywhere. School nights, we'd drive three hours to a show and anywhere, anywhere we could. Cool. It was great. So um, that's what's so cool about hardcore. Like be, meeting the band is, norm, is like you can just talk to them. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the whole thing, too, right? Like, you have the ability just to walk right up to someone and talk to them. And if someone's going to give you some kind of, like, attitude, like they're too cool, they don't belong, you know? Like, And that's the funny thing, too, is, like, the, the subject of gate gatekeeping comes up, you know, and, like, some people talk about it like it's a good thing. Some people talk about it like it's a bad thing. I think it depends on what you're gatekeeping, you know. Um, I don't think hardcore for everybody, but that doesn't mean not everyone's welcome. I think that everyone's welcome to come and see what our world is about. But if you choose not to respect it the way it's intended to be, lived in and 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 participated in you know like if you if you come to shows to start fights you don't belong um you know if if you're coming just to start trouble or whatever it might be like you know that that person doesn't belong um but that's not saying that not everyone can try to be part of it you know like this isn't taylor swift this isn't ACDC you know it's a it's a piece of our lives that that we put you know more than 110 percent into and it's very very important and um it's it's good when you get to see everyone else giving back the same you know not everyone has to contribute something the same you know like some people book shows, some people take photos, some people make bands, some people do all of that. But in reality, the most important person is the person paying at the door because if we don't have people coming to the shows, then there's there's no shows to be had. So um, I think right now, hardcore is in this insane, incredible place because it seems bigger than it's ever been. I know like in the eighties you hear stories of, you know, Olympic auditorium having 3000 people and lots of crazy stories of, you know, other shows elsewhere and stuff like that. But like in general, I feel like every show is packed. So many insane bands coming out right now. And, um, I guess just people just get it right now better than they have in the past or maybe it's just that 
I don't know. I don't know. It's awesome. I just, I like to, I like to see that it's just as good or better than it ever was. That's awesome. Um, so what are some of your favorite, uh, what are some bands you suggest people go see live? Live. Okay. So like, we'll talk current bands. Not, I'm not the aficionado on current bands because I'm a family man and I don't exactly live close to the city. I don't get to go to shows as often as I, as I could or would like to, but, um, bands that I enjoy some Long Island bands or, or New York bands that I love. Um, King nine, they're not new, but they're relevant. Um, amazing. Uh, incendiary. They're a little bit, they're a little bit on the heavier side, but Mm -hmm. lyrically. And I think, between songs, the things that Brendan has to say are, are pretty incredible. I feel like not every band likes to talk between songs. Some bands talk too much between songs. And I think Incendiary does it just right. And the things that he has to say are incredibly important. And I think that's uh, it's a pretty wild thing to be part of because he's he's right on the money with so many things. Um yeah. Newer, newer Long Island band, uh, Painted Truth is ass whooping. That that is awesome band. Uh, you know, regulates great. Um, but as far as like other bands, I mean, it's just seeing videos because I ain't seen them live yet. But I mean, Speed from Australia, the videos are insane, insane. Um, and the fact that a foreign band is getting love in the United States is great because there's been bands that, that are foreign bands that have done well, but I don't know if I've seen them do that amazing, you know, like rise and fall from Belgium did really good. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of foreign bands that have come over and they did good, you know, miles away from Australia did good. No apologies. Uh, no turning back from Europe, but um, but man, the videos of that band are great. Um, Drain's an amazing band to see live. It's they sound good. Sammy's charisma is is insane. I mean, the their responses are just bonkers. Um, and then you always got to go with the classics, you know. AF Madball Terror. You know, the the three right there, you're not going to get let down. Um, and you guys have the the ability, you get to check these things out online and, and see for yourself, you know. Um, I wouldn't always hold that against the band. You know, sometimes a band has a bad night. Maybe, they're, maybe a video is being shot of their first time in a town where people don't know them. But... Um, if you like the way a band sounds, I would just say, go see them. You know, you might have a, a different experience than, than other people are having. And, you know, don't ever let that sway your opinion. Always have your own, always build your own opinion about things. Don't, don't swallow the word of others. Okay. 
So, what is your favorite place you've toured in? Man. I mean, I got to be honest. Australia is the best. Now, that's not taking away from the other places. So, the reason why I say Australia is the best, at the time, it was the closest to being home. Like, Australia, you know, they speak English. The whole country feels like Southern California with the beaches and whatnot. Um, their hardcore scene is incredible. They have so many amazing bands. Um, so touring there was pleasant and easy, like super easy. Japan is just like, it is so crazy to be somewhere that's not a third world country but you feel like you're on another planet, but in like the best way, the, the way you're treated there is incredible. Once again, lots of amazing bands. I mean, these are bands that are not professional bands, but every band performs like they're winning a Grammy that night or something. Like they, they were so professional about everything. They, they were incredible. Um, I was lucky enough to tour South America playing guitar for Strife. And uh, that was an incredible experience because we played places like Peru and Chile. And then we played um, Argentina and Brazil. And they were such different scenes. Maybe that's culturally, maybe that's just because of how big their scene was. Either way, amazing shows. Um, we were fortunate to go to Guatemala. And at the time, I think the first step was the only band had, that had been there before us. I mean, as far as hardcore-wise, I mean, maybe other punk bands have been there. Um, that was awesome. Um, we played a bunch of shows in Tijuana. Mexico was always very cool. We never did a proper Mexican tour. Um, we played Canada a bunch. Um, and we did two tours in Europe and Europe was really cool. It was, um, very difficult touring there during political times. Um, they take their politics very, very serious and they want to make sure, you know, all of their political opinions, which is kind of unfortunate. We're there to play hardcore and live hardcore. And, um, but I respect the fact that they take it serious because they, they care and they worry about what goes on in the world. So, you know, when we get to live a little more blind to reality, what's going on, um, places like that took it a lot more serious. So, you know, it, it's good that they're a little more in tune with stuff. But uh, as far as Europe goes, I would say the UK might have been my favorite of Europe, which I don't know if they consider themselves Europe. They're not the mainland, but they're over there across the pond. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and that's nothing against the U S you know, we live in the U S so we see the U S all the time. So I think as far as picking somewhere to tour, you know, I pick somewhere that's, that's not my regular place. It's something, it's something that's more of a treat to go to go to and and be invited to and so i i guess australia would be my spot
Cool. Um, yeah, I went to England and Wales with my dad's band a few weeks ago for three shows. Oh, awesome. What band's your dad in? Uh, Thought Control. Oh, sick. Like awesome. A New Jersey crust, uh, crust punk band. Very cool. And no, they're cool. not a Pink Floyd uh, cover band. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not. I, I used to be uh do a lot of go to a lot of crust shows in the nineties. Uh, got to see Dystopia, His Heroes Gone, Unruh, Spaz, a lot of a lot of the the crusty power violence-y kind of bands and stuff like that. So, I dig it. It's awesome. Yeah. Um. Also, going back to Australia, we just met a guy from Australia who flew to Boston for the band shows. He's awesome. His name is Lachlan, and I loved his accent so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. The hardest part about the Australian accent is that they that they speak in like they don't like the dialect is just not to say words. They just cut words in half and you're supposed to just understand <laughs> what yeah. it is, but not nah, they're awesome. Yeah. Um so what is your favorite type of food from another country? Well, when you're in Europe, you get fed the vegan mush a lot. So we ate a lot of McDonald's in Europe. But, um, you know, Nando's in the UK is good. Um, Australia, like the United States, it's super culturally diverse. So there's lots of different kinds of food and stuff like that. Um, you know, we tried all the different meat pies where you're eating kangaroo and crocodile and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, but as far as favorite food on tour, I mean, you're not going to beat Brazilian barbecue when you're in Brazil. You're vegetarian or vegan. Well, that's not going to be your favorite, but I'm neither. So I'll stick with the, uh, the Brazilian barbecue. It's amazing. Mexico. I have a very sensitive stomach, so I'll save you details. It's scary to eat there because you just don't know, man. You don't know. Yep. I heard don't drink tap water. Oh, Montezuma's revenge, man. Yeah, you. everyone likes to mess with, like, street meat. They want street tacos, eat the Mexican hot dogs off the food cart, like – I'm sure it's okay, but I mean, I drink tap water here and I get sick, so I'm I'm not trying to ruin my day and shit on stage or something like that. Yeah. So, what was your favorite TV show and movie when you're my age? So when I was your age, my dad, he uh. He didn't really care about ratings. So I saw pretty much everything and anything by the time I was your age. But my my two favorite movies, I saw them both in the theater. I saw uh, my mom took me to see Return of the Jedi, which was amazing. I was a big Star Wars nerd when I was a kid, and I still enjoy it now. And my dad took me to see Red Dawn. And I'm, I don't know, I think it was like six or seven when that came out. And uh, until recently, Red Dawn was the the most violent movie ever made. So probably not exactly age appropriate, but um, so, you know, when we were kids, we always 
played war and it was always red dawn we'd always be the wolverines running around um as far as tv shows go man i think 11 years old what was on tv probably married with children it was just the most ridiculous show um i mean i still loved cartoons like i never stopped watching cartoons so like i was big on gi joe transformers and then when like the simpsons came out so i don't know i don't know it's it the tv show thing's hard it's hard to think about like what we used to watch like we always had to sit around and and you know watch tv as a family and family ties and that stuff sucked so i, I don't know but we'll stick with married with children al bundy's the king yeah i like the simpsons it's pretty good oh, simpsons are great i love that like right now like everyone's like keeps coming out with like simpsons saw the future they keep showing clips of like things that they put in their cartoons that didn't think were going to happen but they're like all coming true it's pretty wild i mean crazy they predicted trumping president they predicted like kind of more stuff but that's like the main yeah thing. it's insane insane it's just i i think like uh i feel like like the simpsons are like controlled by like people in the future like masterminds or something but <laughs> it is scary how accurate it is it is so crazy, dude. It is so crazy. Yep. So if you could, if you had to add an animal's face on your face, everything else remaining the same, which animal would you choose? Man, oh man. Yeah, I don't know. Am I supposed to, would I want to be funny looking or would I want to be scary looking? Or, or. I don't know. I think, uh, I'm hairy like a grizzly bear, but like sometimes I'm slow like a sloth. So I don't know. We'll give me a sloth face. Okay, sloth, nice. What's your choice? What what would you do? So we think if there would be something that would be like useful. Maybe like a dog, so I have really strong teeth or something. Cause if I did that I could eat very like you could yeah dogs are very strong teeth so that could be helpful you could be scary someone's messing around bark at them they get away quick dog boy so if you could tell your 11 year old self anything at all what would you tell him all right so I don't know, without like sounding too old manish, like the whole like growing up in the eighties. I mean, unless you grew up in the eighties, you don't really know. Like literally, we kind of raised ourselves in the streets. Not literally, but we didn't spend a lot of time at home. There was no like hanging out on the couch. We were always out on our bikes like feral animals just running around the streets getting in trouble um 
so I don't know things that like my parents told me. I'm sure they told me a lot of stuff that sunk in and I live to those standards now as, as, as a person. But one of the things I tell my son is um, I gave him one rule and one rule only. And the one rule is always be aware of your surroundings. And that rule applies to everything that, that could be knowing who's walking through the door at a restaurant or the mall or your school or your house that could be the look on someone's face. Are you offending someone on accident? Are you hurting someone's feelings? Um, Is there a dog near you that looks unpleasant or unhappy? Maybe it's sick and maybe you should avoid it. You're skateboarding down the sidewalks. You see a crack in the ground. You know, it's part of your surroundings. Um, it The rule kind of applies to every aspect of your life in some way or another. And I think that some people might call it common sense. Some people don't have common sense. And I don't think it's – there's a lot of things in life that you can't be taught. You either just have it or you don't. And then, you know, obviously like a lawyer, you go – or a doctor, you go to the school and you learn it, you know. But there's um, there's a lot of things, just basic everyday walk through life that people have been told over and over and over again. They just doesn't sink in. But – you know, it's like if this is like one thing I could have like had on me, like not really, a, you know, a tattoo an 11 year old kid's arm, but, you know, have it somewhere where you could read it every day, maybe like a sign on your bedroom door or whatever, you know, be aware of your surroundings. And I think, I think today's day and age in the world that that rule applies more than ever. And it would really help a lot of people with knowing how to interact with other people, uh, personal safety and, um, or simple as like safety for others, you know, like, you know, you could, you could be your mother's savior one day because something could be happening. And because you're paying attention while she's doing mother stuff or, or whatever, you know, um, that can, can do a lot. So I think, If I could tell my eleven-year-old self that, I think that's that maybe would be something that I would, I would say. Nice. So, um, anything to add before we wrap it up? Sure. I want to know what your favorite bands are. I want to know what your favorite classic bands are. I want to know what your favorite current bands are. I want. I want to know something about you. Okay. So, my first like three favorite bands: Bad Religion, then Hot Water Music, then Hot Water Music. So it was Bad Religion, Hot Water Music, and Sick of It All. And those got rearranged a few times. That's okay. You're allowed to have a top three in no particular order because some bands might be important for specific reasons. So it might be you listen to one band because of when you feel a certain way. Or you might listen to a certain band when you do certain things like – 
you know, like maybe while you're playing video games, you like to listen to a certain band or whatever. So I don't think your favorite bands have to be in a particular order or anything. I think just having something that, that you know you love. So what's your favorite Sick of It All record? Mm. So probably Death to Tyrants. Nice. Nice. Or nonstop, maybe. Cool. Mine would probably be Just Look Around. When I was younger, it would have been Blood Sweat or or Scratch the Surface, but I think based on what I revisit the most i would say just look around i think it's got the the attitude of the early days but the production is really good what's your favorite bad religion record um just trying to oh against the grain that's a good one that's a really good one and my favorite song is anastasia anesthesia anesthesia is it pronounced Mm -hmm. okay i pronounced it wrong anesthesia yeah my favorite record would be Suffer. I don't know if I have a particular song. I haven't really revisited Suffer in a long time, but um, I've seen them a bunch live, and they're an incredible band. I'm not that familiar with Hot Water Music, not really my thing, but a lot of people love that band more than anything. So I'm sure – like you interviewed Scott Vogel yet? Yep. Did he tell you Hot Water Music is his favorite band? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's got good taste. So he if he if he knows, he knows. So and uh as far as current bands, like what what are some of your uh favorite live performances you've seen recently? Obviously okay. obviously Bane was insane, right? Yep. That was six show. Um I saw um I see Pain of Black uh sometimes. They're really fun. I saw them in Atlantic City. That was sick. Yeah, they're awesome. Dan's awesome. Yep. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Uh so thanks to Corey for joining me today and thanks to all of you for watching or listening. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel or follow me on Spotify and other streaming platforms. Until next week. Bye. All right later, dude. Thanks for having me.